Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And remember, our summer sale is happening now at chgolocker.com. 25% off everything in store. Stock up on some dope merch summer sale. for the remainder of the summer. They're go, good Jay. all year long. You got, got it. A, you got the CHGO Bears shirt. The fall sports, winter sports are starting to come back. Bulls, Hawks will be here before you know it. Plenty of time in the baseball season. And as I said yesterday, these make a great gift for the sports fan in your life. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you know a Chicago sports fan of some team. Go to CHGO Locker. Stock up on some shirts. 25% off in the locker. Now you can see right now I've got my brand new uh, Skyline shirt on. Nice. And I took advantage of the sale myself yesterday and got the big... Uh, Chicago flag CHGO shirt, so I'm stocked up. Nice, yeah, nice. ready to go. Yeah, you, treat you, treat you yourself. Have got uh, as I as I told our wonderful producer Sarah earlier, it's not buying T-shirts; you're buying work uniforms. Right. So maybe <laughs> you can get a tax write tax write off. Exactly. Work uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm Jay Zawaski. That's Greg Boyce and Mario Tirabasi. Thanks for joining us. Hit us up in the chat. We've got a lot to get to today. We've got our NHL 23 cover athletes, athletes plural. plural. Yeah. We've got Corey Pronman's uh, organizational prospect rankings. A bunch of new names for the Hawks who made a big jump. Uh, an improvement, yeah. A little bit of breaking news when it comes to the World Cup of Hockey. Looks like it'll be played in 2024. It's coming together. Uh, what else am I missing? Anything else we got to get to? Uh, if you watched the Cubs game last yeah, night, Pat you, Foley? Had a, you had a treat with Pat Foley in the booth. I wish yep. somebody would have told me. <laughs> I missed it. I wish somebody Darn. Yeah. They should have they should if have they publicized only that at promoted all. that yeah. at all. Yeah. And a little programming note, Thursday's show, tomorrow's show, 1.30 p.m., we're going to talk to A.J. Hayfley from DNVR to start our division previews. We're going to talk Avalanche. And then on Monday, 1.30 p.m., right here in our West Loop Studios, Chicago Wolves head coach Brock Sheehan will be in studio with us. He formerly first. of the Chicago Steel. First returning in-studio guest. Yeah, friend of the yes. program. Yes, so uh, he he appeared on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast and then got a promotion. I don't hey. I don't think those are 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 those are linked. You're welcome, right Brock. Yes. everyone who has come on this program has kept their job or improved their job. <laughs> That's so right. hey, right? Let's, nobody let's nobody has ever been fired. Keep after that going. Let's, let's keep that going. Well, so. we've, got, so, we've got time. So Brock, if you would like to thank us for helping you get your promotion, yeah. uh, you can. Bring some pizza with you, maybe? Yeah. Or, uh, Why not? Our buddy Chris Cook will be uh, escorting. For those that don't know, Chris Cook, a longtime Blackhawks writer, uh, took over Lindsey Wilhite's job with the Wolves. He's now, like, I don't know what the exact title is, but basically director of director PR. Director of communications and PR and yeah, all that stuff. So he'll yeah. be here uh, off camera, but it'll be good to see Chris again, too. So it's going to be a fun Monday. So a bunch of cool stuff coming up before the season begins. But why don't we start with the uh, World Cup news a little bit? Yeah. I think that's interesting. Uh, looks like the World Cup is going to return in 2024. Mario, I know you have a bunch of the details. So, yeah. Uh, so the NHL and NHLPA are doing their the, are doing a media tour, not the media tour. I think there's going to be two of them, but they're doing a media tour right now in Paris, France, which makes a ton of sense. Um, oh yeah. So where was our invite? Hockey NHL. <laughs> right. Yeah. We gotta we gotta make sure we're on the, that email. We're, chain. Yeah, we're on the wrong email yeah. list. <laughs> we're on the do not email list. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, so uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly was uh, talking about the plans for the World Cup of Hockey. I know uh, a lot of people have 
wanted to see that come back after the success that it was in 2016, um, after it came back uh, after a second time. But um, with the league uh, not having uh, NHL players go to the Olympics in 2018 and 2022, uh, I think a lot of us have clamored for a top-tier international tournament for the for NHL players and, and, and men's professional players um, outside of the world championships, which half of the greatest players in the world don't play in because they're in the NHL playoffs. Uh, but it looks like uh, February of 2024 is the target for the World Cup of Hockey to come back. Uh, it appears they are in discussions and negotiations to uh, chalk out 17 days in February, basically having an Olympic break in 2024 um, to play the World Cup of Hockey. Interesting, though, they're looking at at least eight teams, possibly 10. Uh, there will be, from what I understand, no teams like in 2016 where it was Team Europe, where there's a conglomerate Good. of European players not in the major nations. There will also likely not be a team North America, which was uh, one of the th reasons the World Cup in 20 of hockey in 2016 was such a success was you had the greatest U23 North American players together on one team. Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews uh, were on the same team. Nathan McKinnon was on the same team as all those guys. So it was, it was quite the, the yeah, Take away the, the most mixture. fun aspect of the tournament. Typical exactly. NHL. Yeah. Yes, but they're looking at, at at least eight teams, possibly ten. Um, and games will be played in both North America and Europe, uh, which is an interesting little facet to the, uh, to the tournament there. So, yeah, that, it looks like those are the preliminary uh, outlines for getting the World Cup of Hockey back into the fold. Um, I, I mentioned the information in our, in our, uh, group chat, uh, prior to, uh, to the show today. And I said, wow, count me in. And then Greg's immediate response was F this. So, yeah, no. so yeah, two, two, uh, two opinions on the, uh, no, on the World Cup. All right, let me clarify my stance here. I'm all for the World Cup of Hockey. I'm all for them telling the Olympics to piss off. We don't need you. Let's do it in our arenas, on our television networks. Let's make our money. Mm -hmm. What I do think is insanely stupid <laughs> is doing this in the middle of the damn season. You're going to shut yeah. your season down for three weeks to play a tournament that, let's face it, most people don't give a shit about. It's dumb. Play this in yeah. September like you did the last time, right before training camp starts. Get people excited about hockey right before the season starts. I know people are going to say, well, then people might, players might get hurt. Okay, would you rather have your star player get hurt in the World Cup of Hockey three weeks before the regular season starts or three weeks before the damn Stanley Cup playoffs yeah, start? Exactly. It's stupid yeah. to do it in February, to shut down your entire league for three weeks to go play a tournament that is a money grab. And I'm all for a money grab tournament in September, in August, before the season starts. I'd much rather watch World Cup of hockey games than preseason NHL games. I think everybody on yeah. the planet would too. What's great about that too is when you have a preseason tournament that the players care about, and they do. See, this is always kind of the thing with these international tournaments, and I think, um, what is the baseball one called? The uh, uh, World, World, baseball World Baseball Classic. Classic. Yeah. It was kind of hard to like motivate and, like, with pitchers and everything, it's a little more complicated. So the buy-in wasn't always there. With yeah. hockey players, when it was the Canada Cup and then the World Cup, like the 96 World Cup is one of my fondest hockey memories. But you've got the best players playing in a competitive tournament that they all are invested in early. 
And then when the season begins, they're really in game shape already, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And it, it, the season almost starts better because you don't have that ramp up week or two while conditioning comes back and guys kind of your, find their your, legs your again. Your best 60 players are in midseason form right. at the drop of the puck. Like, yeah. And then what do you do? You, you shut down the league for three weeks so all the players that aren't playing in it sit around on their, on their ass for three weeks? You know, yeah, that might help some teams get some players healthy. But then you come back and then you get fatigue and rust. Right. As, you're, as you're entering the last six weeks of the season, your playoff pushes, it just makes no sense to do it in February. So leave it to the NHL to take a really good idea and turn it into something <laughs> awful. I think from a player's perspective, um, having to ramp up and be like in midseason form right away when you're just trying to kind of get into training camp in the preseason um, is, is, a, is a difficult thing to do. Um, and I also, when you have that kind of tournament on that kind of stage, you want to have the best players playing in it at their peak uh, level of play, not like, oh, I, I, I quick ramped up to, to be ready to go for this in, in September. Um, so, but I, but I, I, am, I fully understand what you guys are saying about, you know, stopping the season and, um, and you know, getting, getting people excited about, uh, you know, a tournament like this going into the NHL season makes, makes a ton of sense. I think if, if from a player's per- perspective, having a tournament like this that you know guys are going to care about at least a little bit um, and, and having them be able to play when they're already going at, at 100%, I think is good for them physically. I think when you talk about, you know, oh, there's going to be players that aren't going to be playing in this and they just, they just don't play any, any hockey. I think for, for some of those guys, it's probably going to be a welcome break. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm, I'm physically drained. I, you know, we're getting into the, into the playoff push, and now I get two weeks off to kind of rest my body. Like, that's, that's great for – that's probably great for those players to kind of get that, that rest. Obviously, some of them probably wish that they could just keep going yeah. uh, to, to, to keep in that shape. Well, um, also, like, but I they're get also that. not just going to – those guys that are not in a tournament are just going to be, I'm going home for three weeks – Right, you yeah. Know, they're going to be they're in the gym. They're going to be on the ice. They're going to be stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be stuff going on. Well, and, and I think too, what 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 bringing this tournament back and having it being being played during the season in in February, what it tells me is that the NHL and the NHLPA, uh, like you said, Greg, they're basically sticking it to the IIHF and the IOC and saying, look, if we're not going to come to an agreement on being right. able to have these guys uh, play in the Olympics. And we're just going to make our own tournament, and you guys can have all the amateur players and the non-NHL contract players you want, and those can be the Olympic Games, and we're going to have our own international tournament on our own terms, make our own money, and, 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 and do all that. So yeah. I, 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 I like having whenever it's an Olympic, whenever it was an Olympic year um, previously in, during NHL seasons, especially you know, in, in 2010 and 2014. Um, I never minded the Olympic break stopping the season because you knew, okay, now we get this international all-star tournament basically, uh, and it was fantastic hockey to watch. So to have that come back, I'm I'm completely fine with. Just having to come back whenever, I'm completely fine yeah, with. Same. If it stops the season, you deal with it. If it's before the season, that's fine too. I mean, it made sense to do the Olympic stoppages when – the Olympics were on, or when the NHL was part of, on NBC. Yeah. And NBC had the Olympic coverage. It was like, this is a perfect way to 
op- say, hey, if you're really enjoying the Olympic hockey we're showing you at 2 in the morning, like <laughs> you can watch every you, you Sunday run the afternoon NHL commercials and yeah, see yeah. these same players play you know, throughout the rest of the season. That made sense to me. I've always been one of the guys that advocated that, that if you want to do ice hockey as an Olympic sport, do it in the Summer Olympics instead of the Winter Olympics. Who cares? Like... It's, hockey's not a summer sport, though. Yeah, it is for these guys. The, kids, the, kids, the, the bubble playoffs was sport. so weird. It was it great was. to watch competitive hockey in August. Having the World Juniors just two weeks ago, a week ago, whatever it was, it was great to watch to watch that. But it's also like the thirst from a fan perspective for hockey is not the greatest in the summer. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point because... And also, these guys aren't conditioned. The World Cup, or the, uh, sorry, well, World Junior Championships had no... <laughs> paid millions of dollars. I don't the, want to hear about there it. There was no buzz about the World Junior Championships. And I know it's different because they're not, like, proven names. They're not household names yet. But you had, you know, the biggest prospect to come along since Connor McDavid and Connor Bedard playing in it. And it was, eh. Yeah. It barely was a blip on the radar for people. So, well, let's be honest. Outside of hardcore hockey fans, it's barely a blip on the radar when it's in December, too. That's what, that, right. But, that, I mean, that's... That's part of the challenge that the NHL and, and the world of hockey needs to kind of figure out is, like, every other sport can ramp up excitement for their amateur game. Why can't, you know, there's the G League NBA that's on all the time. Like, they're college football. Why, why can't, yeah. you know, seeing the greatest hockey prospects compete in the World Juniors, how can they, how can they not make that more popular? I, I don't know. And it's, you know, I don't have all the answers, but clearly it's not working. You had an empty arena basically until the final. Right. So things are not working out. Anyway, let's move on to um, the prospect rankings because this is, um, you know, as we talk about the rebuild and we talk about uh, the future of the Blackhawks, uh, you saw a big jump in one year. This is Corey Pronman of The Athletic uh, ranking every organization's uh, prospects pool basically like so where do they rank in terms of the other 32 teams Blackhawks come in at number 13 up from number 23 last year up 10 spots Mm -hmm. and that's after trading their number one prospect on last year's list Kirby Kirby Doc Mm -hmm. that is a massive jump yeah I I I would say not many uh, teams in the league can have a, an, an improvement in their prospect system by getting rid of their, their top prospect. But I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Blackhawks, uh, as especially through this last draft, uh, coming in with zero first-round picks and coming away with three once the draft was over uh, was a significant uh, boost to the prospect system, especially with the trajectory the, uh, the players that they selected are, are supposedly going to be on. The other thing, too, uh, compared to last list, this is players 23 or under 23. So Ian yeah. Mitchell was the Hawks' third prospect on last year's list. He's also no longer on the list. Mm-hmm. And they've jumped from 10 spots right. still without Mitchell and without Doc. So it, it, it shows you what people think of uh, the Blackhawks' prospect pool. And reading this thing today from Corey Pronman, frankly, like, kind of got me excited. You know, he's, we'll go through the top 10 here and we'll, we'll kind of, you know, then we'll kind of jump back and reflect on it. Lucas Reichel, number one. That, Frank Nazar, number two. Mm. Number three is Kevin Korchinski. Number four, Philip Kurashev. I want to get back to that one for sure. Alex Vlasic, number five. Ryan Green, number six. Colton Dock, number seven. Wyatt Kaiser, number eight. Sam Renzel, number nine. 
and Alec Regula, number 10. There's a bunch more uh, in the uh, pipeline uh, on this list, but mm-hmm. but the top 10, a lot of those guys we kind of know about already a little bit. We've seen play. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I was – I was. Um, it was in- interesting to me that Reichel was at the top. Um, I think if, if, if I were doing something like this and, and – I, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of the uh, let's list them one through twenty five or or whatever. Um, I I have a different system that I like to to look at uh, that I, I I'll actually uh, be doing later this summer as we get closer to uh, the Tom Curver's rookie showcase. Uh, so keep that keep an eye on that for uh, allchgo.com. That'll be coming out in a little while, but. Um, I was surprised that Reichel was, was at the top. I would have thought either uh, Nazar or Korchinski would have been the top prospect. That's kind of how I see it uh, as far as, you know, listing them in an, in an order. Kershev being at number four, I don't know. I have a, I have a few things with, with, with Corey's list that I feel is, is interesting. Reichel at number one, Kershev at number four, and Drew Camezzo down at 14. I thought was a little low. Yeah, the 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 the, the rankings are a little, eh. Mm-hmm. But then again, this is a guy that, you know, he's in charge of ranking the entire league. He doesn't see all these guys exactly. Right? So he's yeah. just going based on scouting reports a lot of times. Maybe he sees a little bit of video here, so you can, you know, give chalk it up to being not just a Blackhawks prospect analysis. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's. But Kershev at number four is like what? Huh? It's it's I funny. Like Philip Kershev. Yeah, I don't. Well, and, and you see him rank that high. And it's like okay, well, he must really believe in Philip Kershev. And here's Pronman's analysis: Kershev was a regular player for Chicago this season, scoring 21 points in 67 games. He doesn't do everything. He doesn't have much speed or off the puck value, and he isn't the first guy you want coming in on the forecheck. He is highly skilled, though, can make plays and is able to score from range, I think I'll have a career middle six winger, likely closer to a third-line variety. I, Like we talked about a couple weeks ago with me, Kurashev, because he doesn't do anything really well, he's let, like the 4A hockey player, mm-hmm. where he'll be great in the American Hockey League, but he just doesn't have a spot on a contender because he doesn't do anything well enough. He's not an elite enough scorer. He doesn't have elite speed. He's not a good enough defender or a feisty enough defender. He's not the kind of guy who's going to go play, you know, a a Brandon Hagel, Andrew Shaw, get in front of that and get your nose dirty type of game. He's a periphery player with a good shot. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the Hawks become competitive, I feel like Philip Kurashev is either going to be in Rockford or another organization because they're not going to have a spot for him. You can't. Like we said, he's got to play in your top six, and as soon as your top six gets better with a lot of these other prospects in the system, Kurashev's got no place to play on this team. Yeah, he's really he's really going to have to get to that top level in one of those aspects of his game to really stand out because he's a fine player. You you know you can have a you know a Philip Kurashev on your team right now and be fine with it. He'll you know he can make you know an impact here or there. Um, but it's it, it's it's consistency with him that I think is his, is his biggest thing. But yeah, if he's if he's supposed to be, you know, uh, an up and coming player with with you know a lot of a lot of skill in in his shot and his hands and his creativity and his playmaking ability, you're gonna have to see more of it at, at at the NHL level to really say like oh yeah like he's a he's a piece of that puzzle 
that that the Blackhawks are trying to put together. But right now, it's just like, yeah, he's 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 in the lineup because you kind of have to put him in the lineup because there's no really no reason for him to be in Rockford at this point because he's not he's not at that point of, of his career anymore. But I, I haven't really seen him grab hold firmly of being like, yes, I'm an NHL roster player, 82 games, you know, for well, sure. And I think with all these guys, of course, there is room for growth. Like, Philip Kershev is 22 years old. Right, yeah. He's not done developing as a player, but usually by now you'll see some signs of like, oh, there, like, there's the flash. Like, we, we saw that a, a handful of times with Kirby Doc. Like, yeah. that's why that guy was picked number three. He wasn't able to put it together enough or do it frequently enough, but it was there. With Kershev... He see. I will say this: He is certainly more valuable and more effective when he's given regular shifts and not in and out, in and out, in and out of the lineup. He's got to be there all the time, yeah, uh, in every night. And I think on this team he will be and should be. He should be. So may, maybe that be. will help, right? Just just having him in the lineup on a regular he can't, he basis. He can't stay in the lineup on this roster. It's time to move on. And theoretically, right. he could get some power play time, maybe. Why not? Sure. I mean, of course, there's others that might, like Domi and Nathan you, but I don't think it's out of the question that Courage have a good power play time. I just, I'm still a little confused on what he's basing his rankings yeah. on. Like, Lucas Reichel, number one, okay, is that because he's the most ready, NHL-ready prospect? Is that why he's number one, or is he the best player? Is he got the highest NHL ceiling? If that's the case, he shouldn't be number one. Yeah, Nazar would be number one on that one, right? Or if you're going by Kuchinsky would be ahead of him too. Yeah, if you're going by potential NHL maybe even Renzel. Yeah, everybody the scouting the love his potential. Will he ever get there? We don't know. But so I don't understand what makes him. Maybe he should have just said, "Here are the ten prospects you need to watch for most," Mm -hmm. or something. It's just it's confusing when you get a number and don't really explain what the numbers mean. So he does kind of project as the list goes on, like. Where Corey Pronman, I'm talking about, says like where he projects each player to kind of maximize their value in the NHL. With Reichel, he says the toolkit itself doesn't look high end, but the results consistently are. And Reichel is trending to becoming a top line winger. And uh, in the little profile there, it says tier top of the lineup player. And he is the only guy on this list that he has projected that high. Nazar. Middle of the lineup, he's got uh, Korchinski, middle of the lineup. Uh, Kurishev, middle of the lineup. Uh, Vlasic, projected to play NHL games. Like As it goes on, the only guy on this list that he sees as a potential top liner is Reichel. So maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's not totally clear, but look, and I think Pronman is pretty clear with the fact that this is his opinion. Right. And it's, and like anything, like I don't think, like you guys more than I have a good knowledge of prospects around the league. And I think if we tried to do any other team in the league, it wouldn't be as effective as our Hawks list, right? right. You're just not sure. as close to it. Sure. And Pronman is sort of tasked with doing every team in the league. He's not going to be spot on every time, but you know, I'm sure just like, I mean, being tasked with that job, I'm sure he's got, a huge network of yeah. scouts that are giving him firsthand information. So well, he's not just, and he's got 32 writers for the athletic exactly. to, to reach so out and say, Hey, what do you think about these guys? Prospects and looking up stats and then watching five <laughs> minutes of YouTube right, yeah. and saying, that's the guy he's getting. Sure. Yeah. Go- I'm he's getting credible sourced information yeah. to make very well educated 
assessments. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's not just flying by the seat of his pants by any means. Yeah, and it's him and Scott Wheeler too. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I tr- like I respect his opinion on on prospects a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, he so it just the rankings are a little confusing to me. But overall. Like, they were 23rd, the Blackhawks as a whole were 23rd last year, which I thought was high. <laughs> uh, uh, like, yeah, was fair like, at oh, least. I was like, yeah. yikes, okay, that's positive. Mm-hmm. And then the jump up 10 spots, I haven't really gone through the whole rankings yet. I'm kind of interested to see, is it more that the Blackhawks improved 10 spots or did like three or four teams fall down <laughs> and they improved only like six? That's, but still, it's a, a point, very yeah. good start. And... We're not all going to say this is just because of Kyle Davidson's draft class. No, this has a lot to do with the fact that some of the guys from the 2021 draft class took a big jump in the mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. You know, Ethan Del Mastro, not in the top 10. He's right outside. I think he's 11th on this list. He's in there. Uh, Nolan Allen, they improved. Uh, a guy like Jalen Lipin improved. Old took knock. strides. Yeah. So, like, that, that has a lot to do with that jump, too. Not just the new guys that Kyle Davidson added, but – because of the development of the guys that he who shall not be named added yeah. the year before and two years ago too as well. So that you're starting to see some of that come to fruition. Yeah. Um, I do. But, have for, to, but four of the top 10 are Davidson picks from this year. Right. Right. And I expect them fully to be in the top 10, if not pushing the top five this time next year. Yeah. Because you're going to have two, at the very least, two first round picks in this draft, including Odds are in the top three, Potential maybe top number three. one overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who know, And then you're going to get the progression of Nazar and Krachinski and all these guys drafted this year and all the guys drafted last year. They're going to have another year under their belt. Mm-hmm. This they, they should be pushing top five next year. And none of the, and, the, and that's something to be excited about. It doesn't mean rebuild is a success, sure, because these guys still have to produce. get to the NHL and produce. Yeah. It just means that like, hey. It's looking pretty. If these guys get to where they're supposed to go, then we got something here. To be in the first stages of the rebuild and to have, you know, someone like Corey Promen who is tuned tuned into prospects as much as anybody else in the uh, in, in in the hockey world, to have him say that you know you you improve the, the the organization improved ten spots year over year, uh, that's some that that's a good indicator that this first stage and, and trying to rebuild the prospect system uh, and then build up from there, it's off to a good start. Absolutely. You would have been very discouraged if, you know, Kyle Davidson didn't get those three first-round picks and, and that, that second-round pick was their first pick. And then you get these rankings come out and you see that they're still 23rd or, God forbid, they're 24th or, or, or 25th. Yeah. And then you're like, well, this sucks. Yeah. Like, I know it's going to be bad, but we're, we're not – Improving well, they've you've improved ten spots in one summer is huge. Yeah, it doesn't declare victory. Right, it doesn't mean order those those twenty twenty five Stanley Cup final tickets, but it definitely gets you closer than you were a year ago. Um, so it's definitely encouraging. I, I I agree with Mario. Having Drew Camesso at fourteen is yeah, is, that seems eh. low. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, if I have to rank them as like. If I were to rank a top 10 based on my NHL ceiling versus how close, plus how close they are to the NHL, he's got to be top six. I would yeah. think so. Like, he's, in he's the, in, a very in the system, yeah. prospect. Yeah. Like, his, his season this year is going to go a lot 
to where we see him in the future. Yeah, I, I feel like you know most of the most of the draft analysts and prospect analysts that we've kind of talked to over over time uh, have have kind of given Camezo a, a, a stamp of approval that you know he he should get to the NHL, have a significant impact at the NHL level, and um, I think if you're looking at that. Uh, as as a goaltender for a Blackhawks team that basically doesn't have a goaltender of the future outside of him or, to a lesser extent, Arvid Soderblom, uh, the importance to, for him in the organization is, is is a lot higher than being the the number fourteen guy. Yeah. Uh, when you when you talk about you know the the the, the prospect system, so yeah, I, I would have him much higher than than fourteen. Another, you know what, what? Sorry, Greg. What excited me most about Camesso was what Chris Peters said to us that him not participating for Team USA might cost them a medal. And now, it's probably not fair to say Embarico cost them a, a medal, but he wasn't great in goal mm-hmm. for Team USA. Not in that and had Drew Camesso been game. there, maybe things are different. I yeah. know one goal for sure doesn't get allowed yes. in that Czechia game. Yeah. Which turned out to be the game-winning goal. Yeah, so who knows? But uh, when you hear someone with that much authority on a prospect say something that like, like that was definitive. Yeah. Chris was like, this is a huge loss for Team USA. And he was right. Mm-hmm. He was right. And it was that really got my attention. And being at development camp every day this year, really focusing on it, talking to Camesso and others after practices, that dude, he's got like a presence about him a little bit. Yeah. Like you talk about the eye test, which is probably a little overvalued, but he just looks the part. We talked the same way about Ethan Del Mastro, right? Like you see that guy on the ice and you say, that is an NHL player. You can just see it. And Camesso has that look and goal. Positionally, reaction-wise, all those sort of things, uh, it's, it's, it, it's clear to me how important he is to the Blackhawks' future. Now, the question is, do we think of him that way because he's the only option? Or is he truly that good of a prospect? You know what? Others who evaluate prospects seem to think he's that damn good. I think when you continuously cycle into Team USA's uh, program as a top goaltending option, whether it's uh, the, the World Juniors or you know the the, the non NHL uh, Olympics or the World Championships, I th- that's those are more than just our eyes looking at him and saying he's a top prospect. It's it's the 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 US. Pro- program saying he's a top option for us let's let's keep giving him these these opportunities and, and I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of these prospect guys don't want to like tie themselves to goalie prospects because there's such a yeah strange beast where like hey it's a completely he looks, different position he looks great as a 20 year old in college and then you never hear from him mm-hmm. like goalies can take a bad yeah. turn so easily or, or and, and goalies the exact opposite could come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and you know be all of a sudden you know scott darling, scott darling. Yeah. yeah i mean but anthony niemi yeah i mean so goalies are so such a weird fickle position i can understand that some of these prospect ex- experts don't want to be like they're their, he's their best prospect, and then it fizzle out, and then you got to wear that. Right, I yeah. get that a little bit, and and big thanks to our guy Design Love for the nine ninety nine yeah, super buddy. chat. We appreciate that. Uh, he says, "Great subject today. Love the, this pod. Nice shirt, Greg. You are very, uh, <laughs> st- very observant fan of ours. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. This is the big league chew, yeah. Roosevelt. If you can't see it, and for those 
listening to audio. I love uh, that one. It's, 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 you were it's just you're tapping there. into the, the the little league vibes in the last few days. Sandlot, yeah. big yeah. league chew. You know, well, Sandlot was because we were doing movies. That's, that's, true. that's true. And uh, you know, I just felt sticking with the theme here. You know, you know I, I hate to bring it up, but um, speaking of yesterday's show, oh, here we go. We're gonna recap drafts that I don't win. Do we? Uh, do we have the results of the the draft yet? I'm, I'm looking I, here. I, I think the people born think, uh, before 1990 haven't hit Twitter yet. I reported it as spam, so I'm not <laughs> sure uh, what happened. If the- you go to uh, at CHGO <laughs> underscore Blackhawks and scroll down our feed, you can see the uh, the movie draft that we did yesterday on uh, on yesterday's show, the sports movie draft. You can vote on uh, between myself, Jay, and Greg on who you believe has the, uh, the best lineup. One hour and seven minutes left to vote, and... Um, yeah, go uh, go vote is, is is what I will uh, what I will say and leave it at that. I love the first comment that I that poll got was somebody saying Mario, you have to get your family to stop voting for Listen, you because you shouldn't be winning this. But all's fair. Every, in everybody's love and sports movie everybody's draft opinion voting. is valid, no matter how wrong they are. They're still <laughs> valid. <laughs> Thank you, Surfing Duck says he voted for me because Mario cheated. Well. I didn't say that. You said that. Sarah, I see you've no. got the poll on the screen there. <laughs> All Feel this free to. That mouse is closest to my name, so if you just want to click it, um, that'd be fine. I need more. I need the most help of anybody. Uh, Sarah, how many of these movies have you seen as our uh, resident youth expert? Let me look. What did you guys put on it? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, scroll it up. Oh, scroll God. it up. There it is. Oh, I did see this. Okay, so I would say out of all three of you, Probably the best one is Greg's. See? Yeah. Sandlot is the best pick. Those are, yeah, the Sandlot, I've seen that a hundred times, but the Mighty Ducks is also, like, a great movie. Yeah. Teen Wolf is good, Happy Gilmore. I don't know. They're all great choices, but if I had to pick, I'm going with Greg. See? (laughs) And this is why I'm huge on TikTok. The kids love me. That's fine. That's fine. Fair enough. I'm uh, I'm still confident. We'll see though. Yeah, we still got time. The Big Lebowski is almost a cheat. It's almost. accurate. You're just mad it's that you didn't pick at, it first. No, 100. <laughs> percent You are you are totally correct. You're mad that Wayne's, we didn't we didn't allow Wayne's World to be a hockey movie. <laughs> and then Greg goes a bowling movie, and I'm like, damn it, Kingpin. That's <laughs> the Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. that'd be like my first movie pick. Period. Let yeah. alone sports movie. I blew it. Yeah. Yeah, I should have I should have worn one of my Big Lebowski shirts yesterday, but I didn't want you to want get, to tip your hand. I didn't, didn't want to give it up the idea to one of you two guys. So, so, I didn't mention uh, Teen Wolf during our uh, yeah our conversation so segment. Mon- of the show. Mon- maybe Monday I'll wear one of my Big Lebowski shirts. I was say, you if you want to get like my perspective from my generation, I would say if I made my own list, it would be the Sandlot, Space Jam, Teen Wolf, Happy Gilmer, Gilmore, and. The Mighty Ducks, and see, that would be my list. When, when when I started to see the polls and I saw Mario had the lead, I was like, well, I guess a lot of our Twitter followers, at least, <laughs> have good taste at, in sports born movies. after 1990 because putting Mighty Ducks and Space Jam in the same column that is, for yeah, people born – in 1990 or later, that's go-to right there. I get that. I understand Listen, that. I just so have good taste in sports movies. So once I teach all my old-ass aunts and uncles how to log on to Twitter, I'm going to take over this poll. Sarah, gonna, what year were you born? 2000. Well, I was going to say, the only reason why I'm picking Greg, though, is I'm the youngest 
I'm the only girl and the youngest in my family, and so I just grew up with a lot of these old movies because my oldest brother's 31, so he mm. has like all the old school stuff. Yeah, you all the classics. Yeah, yeah. the classics. Yeah. The stuff that came out when I was in high all school. All the classics. I was guys. a senior was in college born. when Sarah was born. I was. Uh, this is awful. I, I hated. I here. was able to. I turned 21 <laughs> the year you were born. I was able to drink the year you were born. Uh, I was in fifth grade. Shut up, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should fourth get back grade? to the prospect list. Speaking fourth of yeah, dudes. <laughs> let's let's keep making us feel old, Jay. Let's talk about eighteen. Oh, let's keep God. talking about nineteen-year-old hockey. Let's players. talk about guys that weren't even born when Mighty Ducks yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah, they've never seen Mighty Ducks. It's too old for them. Oh, it's brutal. So, a guy we <laughs> talked about a little bit this week, uh, Nicholas Bodine, uh, not on the top. 15. Is he aged out? He's in the no, uh, he's nope. In the he's in the honorable mention. Has a chance yeah. to play list. Um, also ran. He's on the part- the uh, participants list. The uh, here's the analysis. Uh, Bodine's hockey sense is clearly NHL quality. As a small defenseman who lacks mobility, I question whether an NHL coach is ever going to trust him to take a regular shift. Yikes. Yeesh. I wouldn't say he lacks mobility. I would say he's just not. He can the most, skate. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He does own skates. Like, I, yeah. That's a, that's a harsh I thought so criticism. Too. I thought so, too. That's, that's telling me, like, and, and, and I've seen Nicholas Bodine play a lot in person in Rockford. I still think there's a, there's, there's a foundation there, and he still has a chance to be an NHL player. He might be at the point where maybe it just takes a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. This I, is a make or break year. I think he I think he's he's had a I think he's had a good foundation since he got to the professional ranks. I just don't think he's built upon it yet. And uh, and it, it's it's been a few seasons in the AHL now and I think yeah, like you said, make or break year. Um I feel like he's already kind of getting buried. He's got, so he's I, got I, a foot, I one would, foot out the door. Yeah, so I would yeah. hope that if this training camp is going to be very important for him to, you know, not necessarily getting a lineup spot with the Blackhawks, but even just with the Ice Hogs. I so would we'll hope see. that being a healthy scratch for playoff games has given him for all, Ryan Stanton. Yeah. All <laughs> the motivation he needs to bust his ass this summer and come in the training camp ready to prove it. Yeah. If that doesn't, see you, you later. Know, well, there's your answer, right? And I think I wonder how much Anders Sorensen was sort of considering that when he made that decision like, look, this kid needs a fire lit under his ass. Yeah. yeah. And we've got to see if if, if this will work. If you're if you're if this doesn't work for him, then there is no fire to be lit. If you're a first round pick in your third AHL season, and you're not one of the top six defensemen for a playoff game, abort. You're in yeah, trouble. that's bad. You're in trouble. It's time. It's time to pull up because the plane is going down. Yep. It's yeah, and it's and it's going to be for the Ice Hogs. It's going to be a crowded defensive group. You're going to have yes, it is. A, a mixture of of maybe Alex Vlasic, Alec Regula, Isaac Phillips, uh, Jakob Galvis, uh, maybe Ian Mitchell. Um, Bodan is in there, and then you got Adam Clendenning on an AHL contract. And he's like, going to play. And he's gonna, yeah, he's going to play. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, they, Not they, to mention in a couple years, Korchinski and Renzel and, and, and yeah, no one else. These guys and, that are going to no come in. Kaiser gonna, and Kelly. Yep. All these, these, yeah, Wyatt Kaiser. It's now or never for him. If he doesn't do it crowded. this year, you know, enjoy, enjoy playing for the, the Binghamton Senators next year. Because um, that's, that's, the writing's on the wall. 
and we already have hinted that it certainly appears that Kyle Davidson uh, doesn't want anybody that was uh, associated with the previous guy no. to hold his job. I don't think that's 100% no true. No strong loyalties. But he does not care, you know, if you were a first-round pick by the previous regime. So he's got to do it this year and, and early this year. Like, he's got to yeah. come in the training camp and make the Blackhawks coaching staff go, well, maybe yep. he's got to make you want – make. Make it a hard decision to send it back back to Rockford this year, yep. right? And and with these many young defensive prospects coming into in the organization and 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 coming up the lineup in within the organization, the Blackhawks have some trade trip trade chips. Yeah, because uh, oh, not yeah. all of these guys are going to yeah. turn into NHL players or Did you or see have room for them. Drinkings, huh? 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 Any of these guys interest you? Huh? Huh? Right. Yeah. So you know, if if, <laughs> if the Blackhawks can can say, hey, former first round pick might just need a, a change change of scenery. What what do you give for us? You know that that could be a player like Bodan if he doesn't uh, play himself into just, regular lineups position. We just need to get. He who shall not be named another job in the NHL because that's the exact kind <laughs> of guy that he always back. traded for. Yeah. That former first round pick that just hasn't found it yet. That's yeah. who he loved. We'll trade you a former first round pick. And <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. another guy Pronman takes a shot at skating wise, uh, but we're way behind in our ad copy. So, got to remind everybody that Points Bet Sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. So from now until September 8th, Points Bet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from noon to 1 p.m. Central. That's every day until the season kicks off. Sign up for Points Bet now using code CHGO to also get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it. If you make a $51 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our great web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Download that PointsBet app today and use the code CHGO to take advantage of this limited-time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. For, for crisis counseling and referral services. And remember, that sale is ongoing at chgolocker.com. 25% off all of the dope merch in the shop. So if you've already downloaded the PointsBet app, we thank you. If you're looking to stock up on the CHGO merch, go to chgolocker.com and save 25%. And to all our great CHGO listeners out there, since you've already got the best coverage of your favorite Chicago teams, why don't you go out and get fitted in the best sports gear around? That's where you rely on our buddies over at FOCO because they got you covered from the front room all the way to the United Center, north or south side. They've got hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between the fall sports are just around the corner. It's time to load up. You want to get decked out like your favorite Chicago Blackhawks prospect is these days? Go look over at our buddies at FOCO the leader in sports merch and collectibles. Looking for the perfect gift for your football fan, family member, friend, your big-time hockey buddy, basketball, baseball. They got it all covered with hoodies that can fight the Lake Michigan breeze. Can we please get some of that Lake Michigan breeze in this (laughs) damn office? (laughs) I can't wait for fall weather in the office. Uh, So check out our buddies at FOCO. That's F-O-C-O dot com. 
Or if you're watching on YouTube, after you smash that like button, that thumbs up, hit it. Hit it twice just to be sure it registered. Scroll down just below that. You'll see a link in the description for foco.com. And as a special bonus, our gift to you, use the promo code CHGO at checkout and you receive 10% off all non-presale items. We're throwing the deals at you. 25% off. 10% 10% off. Here's the deal. All the percents off. All the percents off. So many percentages. Well, not actually. Asterisk. Not all the percents off. Um, <laughs> all right. Here is number 11 on uh, Corey Promman's list here. Skating. Poor. Puck skills. Bef- below NHL average. Hockey sense NHL average. Compete above NHL average. This is defenseman Ethan Del Mastro. Skating poor? Poor. Sure. I'm guessing I mean, he's not was, the most fleet of foot, but like I, I'm poor? guessing this was written before the World Junior Championship. May, I I think there's a difference between being a bad skater and being slow. Yes. Yeah. The, you could yeah. still have really good footwork and and not just not be fast. Yes. Bad skaters are obvious. You know who was one of the worst skaters I ever seen in my life? Victor Edsel. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. The first time oh, I saw God. him in Rockford, I was like, it's what? Like his legs were backwards. It was like, oh, my <laughs> God. Like, what is going on? I even had uh, one of the Rockford Ice Hogs coaching staff tell me off the record that he was, in fact, the worst skater he'd ever seen in his life. Wow. So uh, when I first saw him play for the first time, I was like, what are we even doing here? Why did we trade for this guy? But That's hey, a poor skater. You remember that overtime winner against the Wolves, though? Hey. He He's worth it. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> but yes, that he was one, one moment in that's the That's a AHL, bad skater. It was worth it. Not being oh, a yeah. fast skater is different. Right. You can still have good footwork. And for the style of defense he plays, he doesn't necessarily have to be fast. I think Seabrook is a good example, yeah, right? He just has to be... Just, and, and for a stay-at-home type defenseman like Del Mastro is... As long as he knows where to be, he doesn't need to be fast. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like Ryan Sandberg playing second base. Everybody used to criticize Ryan Sandberg never dove for a ball. He never got dirty. You know why? Because he didn't have to. Right. He was always in the right spot. So as long as the Mastro is in the right spots defensively, he doesn't need to be a great skater. Yeah. He's sure. not a transitional. He's not a Kevin Korczynski. He's not an Adam Boquist, that type of defenseman. He is more along the Brent Seabrook, Connor Murphy, you know, Calvin right. DeHaan type of defenseman where – He's going to do the dirty work and then get the puck over to his skating the f- partner to get it out of the zone. When I think when we saw Seabrook's development, the thing that improved the most with him was his skating. And he didn't get faster, but he became a more efficient skater mm-hmm. and knew how to get from A to B in a less janky way, I guess, is kind of the way to put it. And you're not getting beat wide. You're not getting blown by by uh, one of the speedsters in the league. You learn how to use the this, this tools you have. Brent Seabrook's got huge tree trunk legs and a giant bubble ass because he's a big, strong skater. And that was, to me, when you saw him go from, like, Bambi on ice, you know, to Brent Seabrook, the Brent Seabrook we know and love, that, to me, was the biggest adjustment was learning how to mm-hmm. skate properly at the NHL level. And, look, there's plenty of time. Ethan Del Mastro was 19 years old. But at 19 years old, he was deemed one of the six best defensemen that – the nation of Canada has at that age level. Right. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. So I think there is some room for growth and development in the skating game. And obviously, as these guys get to professional programs, 
they're going to get more dedicated training and skating coaches and all those sort of things. And those things will, will hopefully improve for Del Mastro because, again, the guy we saw in development camp looks like a different level of player than a lot of the guys out there. Not every defenseman needs to be Kale McCarr. Right. It'd be no. nice, though. It'd be nice. It'd be great. I'd love to have six of them, yeah, but right. not every, not every defenseman's going to skate like one. that. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Uh, one of the things about skating, I had a conversation, a few conversations with, uh, he's now a pro scout, uh, Jose Carboneau. He was a former first-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens. I got to talk to him covering AHL games. He covered a lot. When I told him I was scouting in the North American League, we started talking shop he always talked about skating he says when you scout a player the first things you need to look at is is their feet then work your way up because if the feet are bad everything else is probably going to be along that line but he said don't rate a guy on his top speed per se rate a guy on how long and how much energy it takes to get him to top speed Mm -hmm. because if it takes him eight strides and he's out of gas but he's at top speed he's useless if it takes a guy four strides and he's at his top speed even though it's not the fastest guy on there but he's still got the energy to now play that's more important than being super fast how long how many strides does it take you to get to top speed and how much energy are you using is more of being more efficient at getting the top speed is more important than actually being the fastest guy in your yeah. team. Well, I mean, because how often are you on a sheet of ice skating at top speed? It's very rare. You, usually right. it's to cover your ass because you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're chasing Shit, someone. I got to get back. <laughs> right. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And if it takes you eight strides to get to top speed, the puck's already in your net. Right. So That's a great point. Those, those are things I, I take into effect when I watch defensemen, especially stay-at-home defensemen. Yeah. They don't need to be great skaters. They just need to know where to be and how to get there as efficiently as possible. Yeah, Efi- efficiency in, in physical skills is a, is a big thing uh, for all athletes, especially with hockey, though. Definitely. Yeah. Another name on here before we get to uh, some of the other sidebar topics we have, uh, coming up number 15 on the list of 15 is Landon Slaggart. That's a little uh, low. He says, Slaggart is useful, but somewhat boring as a player. Uh, fine. I'll take boring. Just don't hurt the team. Yeah. He's not that big and doesn't have NHL speed or puck handling displays. He generates value through his work ethic, and by having good enough hockey sense to make plays, Slaggart is great in front of the net. Batting, for, this should say battling, but it says batting, for space effectively and winning a ton of battles in the tough areas of the ice. He can kill penalties and chip in. Secondary offense, the talent may not be good enough to be a regular NHLer, but I can see him get some games. Again, I think that was written before the World Juniors. Yeah, to me, Slagger looks like a player. He looks like a guy you could put on the fourth line of a contending team, and he's going to be super useful. There's a lot of NHL players now, past, and in the future that have made careers out of just working harder than other people. And I think... Yeah, Slager doesn't have the flashiest skill set, but he has a lot of uh, work ethic in his game. He's got a lot of, you know, hard nose, going to go into corners, going to go to the front of the net and, and be difficult to play against. He has a lot of that in his game, and that can, that can get guys to the NHL and, and give them productive careers over guys that don't play that way, but there's, they have great hands. Well, if you can't get anywhere to be, have those hands be useful, it, it doesn't do anything for Case you. Case in point, give me, I would take Landon Slaggart right now than any day of the week over, even when he was at his peak prospect ranking, Dylan, Dylan Secura. 
Sure. Yeah. Slaggart is the the exact opposite of Secura, as in Slaggart will put it. Dylan Secura, the year, his first year in Rock were, were so frustrating because it was like the second he got anywhere close to the faceoff dot, it was like an electric fence went up and he mm. couldn't get any closer. He wanted to play perimeter the whole time and it was so frustrating. Slaggart is a guy that says, screw it, I'm going right to the net. Middle like he's the only ice. going there. Right. Because yeah. that's where he, kn- he knows <laughs> yeah. his role. Mm-hmm. He knows his capabilities. He knows where, what his talent is. And he says, well, if I'm going to be an NHL player, I got to get dirty, and he's accepted that. Much like Mackenzie Entwistle, we talked about, he completely changed the yeah. type of player mm-hmm. he was, where it's like Slagger, uh, unlike Entwistle, identified that early enough in his career, where Entwistle was relied more on as being an offensive producer, skilled guy in juniors, and then when he got to the pros, was told, you're not, gonna, yep. you're not good enough to do that here, where Slagger already identified, hey, if I want to be a pro, I got to be the grinder. I think it was Chris in the chat brought up the name of Michael Froelich, uh when we were talking about Philip Kurashev, and I think that mm. that's Froelich is a guy like you're saying had to adjust his game too yeah. and yeah. learn well, that yeah. he's got to be a checker, he's got to be a penalty killer, he's got to get in front of the net, he's got to score dirty goals. When you look at the the, the size of Froelich versus Kurashev, pretty similar in body, sure. yeah. similar in skill set. Froelich had a little more offensive game than he ever really kind of produced. Because his role changed, yeah, right. He became a a a, a very useful third liner, uh, top you know top six in a pinch kind of guy. And if I think Kurashev should start watching some Michael Froelich tapes uh, to learn how to play, and and you know I think Slagger probably doesn't have the offense that Froelich has, but it is you're talking about it like it's easier to go from to take an already gritty. Uh, willing to co- compete player like Slaggart and throw him into the NHL and have that translate than it is to have a Secura type or a Kurashev type learn that game right. mm-hmm. in the league. So I think when you look at someone who on this list who's probably closer to the NHL, I would think Slaggart's a guy who they might look at next season and say, eh, he's got a shot. As they look at their bottom six, maybe yeah. two years, maybe not. I'm not saying this upcoming season. Yeah, following season this, this, after yeah, this season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're in the point where we can say next season means 23, 24. Yeah, right. I, mean, yeah. I could yeah. see Slagger getting some a game or two after the college season is over, and then yeah. maybe going to Rockford for the playoff push. Uh, listen, if Andrew Shaw can score 20 goals in the NHL, there's no reason why Landon Slagger can't score 15. Could get close. To pads, it, yeah, just get to yeah. the net. Let, let, come on, <laughs> Artem Anisimov. His entire Blackhawks career was get to the net and let Patrick Kane shot hit him in the ass and score a power play. Goal. <laughs> there you go. That's how. That's how he got paid. That's what he was paid <laughs> yep. to do. Yeah. It's not the most beautiful thing in the world. It's not going to get you the Hart Trophy, but it's going to get you a really long NHL career with mm-hmm. a lot of paychecks. Yep. Yeah, I th- I, I think Slager's going to play a, a a very prominent role with Notre Dame this year. They're going to have a really good program this this season. Um, wouldn't. Be surprised if he might have uh, the third letter in the alphabet on his uh, on his jersey this year. Um, See, there you go for our, it for took our me a second for our children learning their <laughs> alphabet. That is the letter C. It's for Cookie. C is for Cookie, of course. Um, cookie is for me. But he uh, <laughs> so he'll he'll play a prominent role on that on that team. Um, I would be interested to see if they if they do. Uh, that at the end of the year, whenever Notre Dame's uh, season ends, um, giving him that that little tryout at the end of the yeah, season with the games. AHL, see what happens. 
Um, he may also be a player that plays all four years before coming to the uh, to the pro ranks. Who knows? But um, talking to him after prospect camp uh, uh, earlier this summer, um, yeah, it's just it's just easy to root for him. He, he's got he's got a game uh, plays plays the way that you know. I, Corey Promen feels is boring. I like watching him play. Boring is not necessarily bad. If your not entire team bad. is boring, okay, that's a problem. Right, right. But your bottom six is supposed to be boring. Yep. You don't. Yeah, you don't need flash in, in that. Slager has area. a lot of, and it's not just the facial hair. Uh, <laughs> Slager has a lot of Ryan Hartman in him. That I, I see the same type sure. of player. Yeah. Maybe not as gritty or not as punchy. I don't think. Not as yeah. He's not gonna do as many stupid things to put your team behind in a bad situation. But just the the style of offensive play. I mm-hmm. see. I see Ryan Hartman and Slagger. And just yeah, he's, the, he's, uh, he's a he's a guy that you can root for for sure. Yeah. A, a final thought on on the Kershaw. I think hopefully, I think his biggest ass biggest downfall is that he hasn't had that normal role. So hopefully this year, now that he with a new head coach that knows he's got to build to the future he can they can find out what that role is for Kershev and he can embrace it we say hey he's got to embrace a different role to be here nobody's told him what that role was yet because one day he is bottom six penalty killer next day he's next to Jonathan Taves Mm -hmm. so the team never finalized what that role is they never told him you got to do this role to be here hopefully this year early like in training camp, they <laughs> define that role and say, "Go! F- this is what we need you to do. You got 82 guy. games yeah. to do it. Yep, and let's see what you can do. Earn he, that he, next deal." He had that in Rockford when he was yeah. when he was starting out, and I think that's where a lot of the flash of like, "Hey, this guy looks like he can get to the NHL if he does this into the next level." That's where a lot of that came from. But then he got to the next level, and it's been up and down the lineup. Yeah. So yeah, he getting some a, consistency. He might have been a guy be that benefited from maybe a whole another full season in Rockford. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Or at least another half a season. Yeah. Like, if they weren't going to play him in Chicago regularly last year, 25 games in a row in Rockford wouldn't have been the worst thing for him. But hindsight. Yeah. Uh, last night we got to watch Pat Foley call the Cubs game on both uh, TV and radio. It was just good to hear his voice again. Like, just milling around the house, like in the kitchen, doing dishes and stuff, just to hear Pat in the background just telling stories, yeah. and it, it was almost like it was almost good that the Cubs were getting blown out <laughs> so he didn't have to focus on the play-by-play as much because story time. he was just asking Jim to say, Shea stuff like, you ever hit anybody on purpose? He was like Chris Farley, you know? <laughs> you, ever, you ever hit a guy on purpose? Like, and they were just having a lot of conversations like that. He did do the unfortunate Harry Carey impression. Uh, for the seventh inning stretch, and we've got a photo up of that. You know, I, I was seeing people online saying it was at least better than Ryan Dempster's. Oh, it's be- well. Ryan Dempster is doing a Will Ferrell yeah, he's impersonation. In, he's impersonating Will Ferrell, yes. impersonating Harry Carey. Yes, yeah. uh, Pat is doing a Harry impression. Uh, he was also on the radio with Coomer. So I re- remembered this in 2000. Pat called a Cubs game in Minnesota that Ron Coomer was playing for the Cubs in, mm. and he was recalling that game. I'm sure he went back and did research, but, like, photographically. Yeah. And Coomer was like, oh, yeah, like, I remember that. That was cool. It was just great to hear Pat again. And, uh, you know, we all we love Chris Vosters, and we always will. He's a friend of the program, of course. But it's going to be weird without Pat. It's going to be – Yeah. It'll that is, some, like – takes some getting used to. The one sports permanent of my life has been Pat Foley. Every other team that I follow has had a change in the broadcast booth. Pat Foley is the – I mean, of course, I had a couple years without him. But 
I was at all those games then, so it didn't matter as much. But <laughs> right. uh, man, a year without Pat, it, well, you know, from now on without Pat's going to be tough. So hopefully they're on good terms. I was happy to see the Hawks social media was like there, Pushing taking it. pictures, yeah. uh, congratulating him, all that stuff. So, and I didn't catch anything that was like a shot at the Hawks at all from Pat. Um, so hopefully they're on good terms and. Maybe we'll have him call a game or two this year. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Pat at almost every home game one way or the other, hanging out, enjoying it, watching the game. Ambassador. Being Pat Foley. Yeah. Shaking hands. Doing a, yeah. I, I, getting I, beers from random fans. <laughs> you know, he, now, he, now is the time of his life he gets to enjoy being Pat Foley. Yeah. He put in the work, and maybe he's realizing that. I think he was yeah. a little hurt and maybe a little bitter at the way things went down. And now that he's got a time to step back, he's kind of been like, you know what? I've put in the work. It's time to enjoy being Pat Foley and being a celebrity in this town. Well, he still can. Yeah, and I, I, I would not be surprised if he is in that press box almost every game <laughs> enjoying himself and just being Pat Foley and, and, and being, being the mayor of the United Center. Yeah, I'm, for, I'm all for that. Uh, the other little bit of news for you gamers out there, uh, NHL 23 has announced their cover athletes. Uh, Ducks forward Trevor Zegras. And uh, Team Canada defense uh, forward Sarah Nurse awesome are splitting cool. the cover this year. Uh, a lot of people upset that Trevor Zegers is not one of the five best players in the league, so he doesn't deserve it. it. He is marketable. Yes. He has He's a personality. Fun. He yep. is fun. Please. He is a video he, game on ice. He is somebody that grew up playing the NHL game. Yes. Like, sorry, how many times you need Austin? It's a, a, it's a cover video game. Get over it. B, how many times you need Austin Matthews and his zero personality on, like, right. the per- per- Personality absolutely matters, and sure, Zegris didn't win Rookie of the Year. That's fine. Was he the most talked about, one of the most talked about hockey players this past season? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, many- you, and you know how many non-hockey fans saw what yeah. he did and said, hey, maybe I'll check out a little bit more hockey. Some people did. And what, what does the NHL video game try to do they know they're going to get their 60 plus dollars from from diehards like the three of us and play the game they know that (laughs) they don't they don't need to well they do need to improve the game to sell it to people like us but they don't need they need to get non-hockey video game fans to be interested in the game and to have someone like trevor zegris who was able to transcend just the hockey world of of personality and stardom with what he was doing this past season, having him on the cover is a way to get those non-hockey fans in. And in that same vein, you get Sarah Nurse on the cover. You get the you, the the women's national teams involved in the game. That's it's really another cool. way to extend out to a broader market. There are there are uh, women and girl gamers of, yes. who play the NHL game who now have the opportunity to play with the best female players in the world. Yep. That's awesome. And like people like us, I'll, I'll play with Team USA and play with Kendall Coyne, and that's pretty sick. Like That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Shout out also, women's world championships start tomorrow. Like No issues whatsoever is having the dual cover and having Sarah Nurse yeah. on the cover. There's nothing wrong with a little girl that plays video games going into a store and seeing someone that looks like her on a sports video game and now wanting to buy the game. That is freaking awesome. We need more of that. And if you're a 40-year-old dude that's pissed off about it, 
suck it get a life like get over yourself <laughs> hockey is is a sport that should be enjoyed for everybody and sorry sorry that girls are invading your your gamer room they're not really because i don't think any of them are going down there but like <laughs> smells yeah so i think it's cool and how many kids are going to try and score a michigan goal while playing with trevor zegris the zegris goal yes. is now in the game so, so that's really cool that's taking spend an a entire year trying to do that, that on the sticks that's taking a marketable thing and rolling with it instead exactly. of having old guys like john tortorella yell about it on tv make some money off of it yeah. i was playing halo yesterday and every player on the other team at least had a gamer tag that was like Gamer girl or something like oh, really? female, and I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I'm like, wow, I'm getting my ass kicked by a group of women, and it's fantastic. <laughs> Do you follow the Big Bang Theory schedule? Is, isn't Tuesday Halo Night on Big Bang Theory? <laughs> I don't know. I think I so. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you so go, yeah, you good go paintballing on Saturdays. <laughs> I think I that's should. that's fantastic stuff by by EA Sports. And if you're not buying a video game because of who's on the cover, you're a weenie. Yeah, weenie. Pardon my French. <laughs> Coming from someone who uh, has played video games their whole life with both my brothers, I very much appreciate kind of the esports world when they incorporate yeah. women. And there's a lot, a lot of girls play video games. Yeah, more oh than yeah, more my, than you think. My so. sister to this day still plays video oh, games yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. and she's older be, than me. Yeah, I have friends that live in Colorado or Seattle, and the only way we are still friends is because we play games online, and that's just yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I love it. I think it's great. For a lot of gamers like me, it's the only way we'll ever meet women. <laughs> Could be. Or, or you get catfished. Uh, too. Ooh. Oh, speaking of that. Speak, yeah, you I finished, finished the Manti Teo Boy, what a, Just like Stranger Things, what a disappointing and, and, and unf unsettling finish. I, I, I told you. It's like, what? Yeah. Uh, that's it? And, and it's over. Credits. Like, yeah, it's a very... It, it is an ending... It's a weird ending, but um, it's more of an editing thing for me than it is an actual story thing. Yeah, because they go, the story ends with a black screen, and it's like a trailer for the series. Like, right, but what, it's not what? like, yeah. I, it's anyway, watch it. It's worth watching. And uh, Casey Sandahar, our uh, fantastic social media manager, uh, had the viral tweet of all time the other day <laughs> about this. I saw that. And I'm trying, to I'm trying to pull it up quickly. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I know we're late, but who cares? You're getting free content. Who cares? Talking about the Manti Teo. Uh, well, he looks for it. Well, you should tell us about what yeah. other things we need. Two birds, one stone. Some, some things go. that you need. One of them is Owen, spelled O-W-Y-N, standing for only what you need. It's a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works just as hard as you do. All of Owen's products are free of artificial ingredients. They don't have any gluten or dairy. They're allergen-friendly and easily digestible. Might have heard about Owen from Bears quarterback Justin Fields. He follows a plant-based diet, and he uses Owen. And Owen and CHGO are partnering up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off of your first purchase when you go to liveowen.com and use the promo code CHGO20. So be like Justin Fields. Dominate the NFL competition. Try yourself some Owen, O-W-Y-N, only what you need. All right, so before we wrap up, if you don't know about this, it is Untold? That's the name Untold, of the is, Untold. The, is the Netflix series. It's on Netflix. A two-part yeah. series on the Manti Teo catfishing scandal. Here's Casey's tweet. 4,883 retweets. 33.1 thousand likes. Give Casey a raise. That, That's a lot. Is that what the kids call ratio? <laughs> 
Things I learned from the Manti Teo documentary. The media owes him an apology. We as a society owe him an apology. The NFL owes him an apology. He has every reason to be bitter and pissed off still, yet he forgives everyone, including Renaya, for this. Uh, That is true. And the whole reason the whole catfishing thing started is Renaya, as Lene Kakua, reached out to him for help, and he was trying to help a stranger. That is how the entire thing happened happened yeah so i know i'm a notre dame homer i will admit that fully but anyone who watches this documentary and uh sees what manti teo was put through and has been through since it's brutal and uh, hopefully this does a little bit to help him move on and start the next phase of his career maybe as a coach maybe as an analyst or something because he said it himself he's basically has the word the guy who got catfished written on his forehead, and he did nothing wrong but try that's to help what people. Everybody, that's his legacy, unfortunately. When that and, name comes up, that's what you're going to think of. And fake, I, fake dead girlfriend. Yeah, and when he was at Notre Dame, I said he was the most dominant defensive college football player I had ever seen, the way he played. Yeah. He yeah, was he awesome. was He was a fantastic player. He was going to be a first-round pick. Yep. Uh, going into that that senior season that, that he ended up having when where all, where all this information you know then came out. Uh, after it but yeah I mean he was just a dominant player and you just see the effect that what happened uh, to him had on him mentally he talked about it uh, and, he, and he talks about you know needing to talk to someone uh, after basically his his whole confidence was just shot from 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 this catfishing incident and um you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, it's a crazy. Highly story. recommended. Follow Casey on Twitter. Yeah, of course. If you don't already. She's awesome. At Casey Standahar, uh, just like it sounds. All right, we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow, one thirty. Remember, uh, AJ Hayfley from DNVR will preview the Avalanche, and who knows what content will fall in our laps between now and then. Give Can't it wait four hours. Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, make sure you smash that like button. Make sure you are subscribed on your favorite podcast apps. And uh, don't forget that CHGO Locker Summer Sale 25% off. Now go do it. For Mario and Greg, I'm Jay. This has been the CHGO Blackhawks Podcast.